yeah, you know, getting to just experience life because most of artistic work is just life. And so is there any other greater gift? Welcome to Letters. My name is Lerato Honde. Today we spotlight Lily Banda. Lily developed a love for music and film at a very young age. Since 2010, she has been pursuing a professional career in the arts, working as a television and radio personality, as an events host, and as a consultant in the entertainment industry. Lily has released several studio projects, including her debut album, Black Kiss, an EP called Odd Hours, and a stage production called African Winter. She also starred in the feature film, The Boy Who Honest the Wind, and in the second season of Deep State on Fox TV. Lily wrote the lyrics to Antonio Pinto's compositions for two soundtracks on The Boy Who Honest the Wind, Lelonda Guanitza and Dipiranawe. As a voice actor, she is narrated in documentaries, ads, and is the voice of the title sequence on Deep State Season 2. Lily has performed poetry at festivals in Malawi and in New York. She was awarded a Youth Hero Award by the African Union in 2015. She is a two-time 2018 Afrima nominee for the Best Female Southern Africa and Most Promising Artist in Africa categories. Here is Lily Banda's Letter to the Girl in Front of the Camera. To the girl in front of the camera, before the limelight, before the applause, before the standing ovation, I see you, and I welcome you as you are, daughter, sister, friend, musician, writer, dancer, actor. Before all of that, I see you. Your identity is fluid. It is not confined to the constraints of time, nor is it confined to the standards set by society. Your core is strong. You know who you are and what you're capable of. You know the strengths and qualities God gave you. It has taken you a while to get here. I know why you're here. You know why you're here. Sometimes I'm your biggest critic. Many times I'm your greatest comforter. To the girl in front of the camera. When I see you, I see the little girl who just discovered her God-given talent. A gift she kept to herself for so long because it would not be seen as a viable career in the eyes of her peers. I see this little girl with endless bounds of wonder and passion in her eyes. A girl that would spend her days dancing and singing with great energy and enthusiasm for life. Little did she know she was conditioning herself to be on the scene. I hear you. I hear your low register voice. I hear the tones and the depth. So when they tell you to try sounding more like a girl, don't listen. Soon, you will learn 
that embracing the life of an entertainer will come with all sorts of unprecedented criticisms. Why are you underdressed? Why are you overdressed? Why are you too tough? You really don't have to do all this for the attention of men, you know. You feel hurt when you hear these comments, but remember to breathe. Life is always going to test you. When someone comes to you with criticism, neither fair nor kind, and you gain nothing from it, let it go. Remember that pain must come into your life to do a work. When the work is done, the pain will leave you. The people that will criticize you will be there to show you who you are by your reaction, not by their words. You don't owe anyone an explanation. To the girl in front of the camera, when I see you, I see the young woman who puts herself out there, but constantly spends time in a room called no. She'll receive no after no after no after no. She will feel disappointed and she'll feel like everybody has let her down. Take heart because she will also receive some big yeses. Rejection is part of the process. Make a promise to never give up on yourself. After all, you're not doing it for their approval. Remember that life is full of challenges. Granted, because you are a woman, your challenges are going to be different to a man's. It's a man's world. In business, in science, in construction, in art, in virtually every industry out there, it is a man's world. You will face more challenges than they will, but that won't stop you. You can decide to either sit back and loathe in fear or to try and try and try and try until you succeed. When they see you, you'll be on the world stage alongside legendary actors and musicians. You too are a legendary actor and musician. Yes, I said, you are legendary. You have all sorts of questions in your mind. Are they interested in my artistry or the fact that it was a huge international gig? If it was a play that I curated here in Malawi for myself, would they still be interested in me? Remember to treat every opportunity, big or small, with equal importance. Don't begrudge the small opportunities. Treat them with as much respect as you would the big opportunities. You will not be able to sustain the result without the process. While you are in the process, surrender to God's love and divine plan. Remember that you are exactly where you need to be. To the girl in front of the camera, 
Your God-given talent is now your vocation. Your peers, too, finally see it as a viable career. You spent so much time doing what everyone else wanted you to do, but you are finally pursuing your dream. Don't you love being able to work at something you love every day? The people you work with are also chasing big dreams and you love to be around their energy. Now that your lifelong passion is your full-time career, remember that it deserves love and respect. Your journey as an artist requires discipline. Find a balance and always find time for the people and things that are important to you. In all situations, in every room, on every stage, and in front of that camera, remember who you are and where you have come from. Love always, Lili Banda. I first met Lily at a women's breakfast meeting in February. When she walked into the room, I thought I'd recognized her from somewhere, but I couldn't quite figure it out. The meeting was attended by Malawian women from different industries and of different generations. We were asked to introduce ourselves and to talk about our respective career paths. Despite her long list of achievements, Lily's introduction that day was short and humble. It was a couple of moments later when I realized I recognized her face from TV. Who are you? My name is Lily Banda. I often have trouble answering this question. I'd like to keep myself fluid. Mm-hmm. So whenever it is that I have to describe myself or tell people about me, I get kind of stuck in trying to find the word that I feel will stay forever. Mm-hmm. But that's always hard to do. So I guess that's what makes me an artist. My name is Lily Banda and I'm an artist. Our episode, Letter to the Girl Behind the Camera with Maria Tundu last week, inspired this week's letter to the girl in front of the camera. Regardless of their contrasting creative roles behind and in front of the camera, Lily and Maria share some similarities. Lily's role requires her to be center stage, but she considers herself to be introverted at heart. Yeah, you, and I think, you know, I've always been uh, the type of person that is withdrawn. I know people don't expect that from an artist, but I am actually a very withdrawn person. I like to keep to myself. I like my own company. I know how to take care of myself. Mm. I've learned that. And so I think not just as an entertainer, not just as a woman, but as a person, it's Mm. really important that you know how to take care of yourself and that you know who you are. Because at every point, life is trying to show you. Have you always known who you are? No, it's it's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. There are fundamentals about me that will never change, for sure. But then there's some things that I've had to change, especially if something is not working out for me. I used to be one of those people who used to feel guilty with the word no. Then mm-hmm. I discovered it wasn't working out for me, so now I say it all the time. I'm sorry, I cannot do it, mm. and I, I feel better 
because I used to just stretch myself all the way because I felt like I had to be there for everybody and do what everybody wanted me to do because that was the only way to keep. And it was really unhealthy. Yeah. I didn't. And then I discovered, because I learned, life taught me that when people love you, actually they love you no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so if you have people in your life who love you, but eesh, maybe you need to rethink Mm. how much of yourself you give to those situations. And so I had to adjust that about myself. It's a new thing that I'm knowing about myself. I didn't always know that about me. My conversation with Lily easily felt like two friends catching up. I got a strong sense of her self-awareness. This interview has given me that clarity. I've gotten to remind myself with you that my values are being balanced, mm. knowing who I am, and then pursuing my own goals. And if my own goals happen to positively impact somebody else, well then praise be to God, not even to me. Yeah. If they negatively impact somebody else, I'm really, really sorry that happened. Mm. Yeah. And so thank you. This has been refreshing. And today I think I'm going to sleep on... <laughs> when compiling the letters i noticed the trend in the stories of the creators we've been speaking to to the girl holding the pen all of these women exist in a hybrid third space characterized by the duality of both our inherent more traditional culture and our adopted more western culture perhaps i can accredit that to our bias as producers The creators we've been speaking to reside in the city and have direct access to the rest of the world through the digital realm, a realm which is exclusive to only 14% of the Malawian population. It has me questioning the exclusivity of the arts and whether someone living in the village with no access to the internet or no means of traveling abroad is likely to even realize their artistic talent. The exposure these women have grown up with has given them access to a broader scope of career options in areas including the arts. Even though being an artist is still not considered to be a viable career in some urban spaces. Having this exposure whilst growing up meant that these women could at least dream of having a career in the creative arts. Have you wanted to be an artist your whole life? My entire life. The first sort of person that I saw doing anything on stage was definitely Michael Jackson. Mm. At that time, I used to live with my grandmother and my mother and father were away and they used to send back videotapes and they sent back the dangerous tour. And I remember I put that in what we used to call back then a VCR, you know, and I hit play and this man jumped on stage. It was Michael Jackson. And Michael Jackson used to do this this thing. It was a freeze. Like, he'd freeze there for a good five minutes. And people (laughs) would just be losing their minds. And I remember, you know, and his shows were, like, so full of explosive stunts and play choreography and just catchy music. And I never understood what he was saying, but he was the first person I looked at and I said, that, that is what I want to do. Would you imitate him? I like, right. It wasn't, 
it wasn't even, it was in that second. Of course, then afterwards, I asked myself a question, like, do we wear underwear on the outside? Because Michael used to wear. <laughs> I was like, is that what we're supposed to do? But anyway, yeah, this, whatever that guy is doing, that's what I want to do. And um, I immediately lost all interest of uh, going outside or doing pretty much anything else that a normal child, yeah. a normal childhood would require you to like, you know, go outside, play with cars and dolls, whatever. I just wanted to keep on playing music videos, and all I would do all day long was to just sing along, even though I couldn't pronounce all the words, but that's what <laughs> I would do. I'd sing, and I'd dance along, and my family used to have to push me to go outside and and that that was um, that that has been my whole life. For all of the women creators we spoke to, their craft was initially self-taught. These women weren't intentionally chasing fame or success, but they were guided by an innate passion for the arts, a passion which for Lily was discovered at a tender age. Lily was able to realize her talent and take it to the next level at school, where she would perform at variety shows. And so when I was in school, I, I would always register at one of these talent shows or variety shows is what we call them. Mm-hmm. So I would always register at variety shows and I'd either be in a play or I'd be dancing. And I guess for anybody who remembers me from primary school, I always showed up as a Leah and I would perform a Leah song. <laughs> I did a lot of, I was a very busy, 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 busy child. So I would, uh, Alia at the time was was the girl that I was listening to, so I only knew one song by heart. Are you that somebody? Mm. So I perform it all the time, and so it was the three of us, and we had a Timberland, and me, and we had a Missy Elliott. So yeah, uh, I would always um, do that, and then I think at some point I graduated from impersonating other artists doing my own choreography. uh... Malawi became a multi-party state in May 1994. Before that, the information that was presented by local media houses was limited and controlled. In our conversation, Lily talked about growing up during this time, when music videos were becoming more and more accessible in Malawi. Having all sorts of artists to look up to both internationally and locally allowed Lily to play around with different versions of herself, before eventually growing into her own creative personality. It was in the 90s. Mm. So it, um, at that time, Malawi's first president had just stepped down. And you know, back in the 90s, uh, I don't want to say that regime, let's just call it that. That mm. regime had a lot of rules on what kind of books people were allowed to read and what kind of shows people are allowed to watch. And yeah. I think that sort of uh, affected the environment. Mm. It affected everybody because the people who were artists at that time were making, um, they were writing plays that had political statements attached to Yes, and there was and sometimes so, resistance statements. Yeah, yeah, it was resistance and so a lot of our art, and I, as an artist person, I feel like that that is what has caused a lot of stagnation in the in the grocery, mm-hmm. the entertainment industry here, because a lot of artists had to be exiled. 
Yes, actually, yeah. Um, yeah, and their books and their poetry and their songs, we never could sing because mm -hmm. the regime had to okay what was acceptable for them, for us, the audience, to hear. And so when TV first started to come in to Malawi, mm -hmm. um, one of the first things that I used to watch was was Shana O, and that's where I got to see uh, a different type of artist. I saw a lot of South Africans at that time. So South yes. African people that I sort of saw and went, oh, these people are from Africa. And I saw Brenda Fassi, saw Angelique Kijo, and I saw, um, what's the, I think it's Bongo Mafia. It's a bad boy. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. and yes. that's when I started to hear like um, that kind of music. And then when NBC TV was launched, it wasn't a long time ago that NBC TV was launched. That's when I got to see Malawian artists. Mm -hmm. And I saw, uh, oh my gosh, my favorite Malawian artist of all time, Brighton Carter. <laughs> I mean, the guy was just a genius. Uh, of course, back in the day, we, we would listen to uh, songs on the radio by, um, I was singing it the other day, Sam Kapuga. And then there was, and something about, and um, but it was, it was a radio medium. But, TV, I feel, has a lot more impact on my life. Radio was great, but I think for me, I'm a visual person, so to see something is always an exciting experience. So, yeah, in Malawi, definitely it was Bright and Carter, and then it was Esau Gamon, was dancing back in them days. Mm. She would dance and she would sing, and I was just so fascinated by her. As Lily grew into her teens, she started to receive criticism for the sound of her voice. I hear you. I hear your low register voice. I hear the tones and the depth. So when they tell you to try sounding more like a girl, don't listen. I was very discouraged because when I started to try out for things at that age, a lot of people would turn me away and say, go and sing like a girl. So learn how to sing like a girl. But then when I saw Rudon Kukuba, I was like, no, that, that voice is bassy and it's husky, just like mine. Yeah, so I've been told that a couple of times that, you know, you got to try sounding like a girl. Wow. But only here. I've never experienced that anywhere else in the world where I've gone. Mm. Um, and so, um, in terms of Malayan heroes, then definitely Udon Kukuba was one of the first women that gave me the confidence to say it. So I can sound however I want. Mm. It doesn't matter. And then um, the Chitekas came along, and the lead singer of that group also has a husky voice. Mm. And so she also became one of the people I used to look up to and say, no, I think it's fine to just be the way that I am. And then I got introduced to more, more variety, you know, Wambaling Kandawiri. And then I got introduced to the urban Malawi scene. And Third Eye was one of the first urban, you know, after Zeke Mali, 
and after um, Anima Dumbi, mm-hmm. they, they really, really defined the sound of the Malawian youth, and it was great to watch and to also experience, I guess, how people reacted to the youth finding their own type of voice. And then mm-hmm. we got real elements from NTVC. And real elements was completely different. It was just, it was sort of like a hybrid sound between two worlds. A world that um, we interact with Africans. We interact with this Western world every day. And we want to pretend that we don't. Yeah. It, it, but it's, it's part of our culture. We speak their language. Mm. We use our language to govern our, our country mm. and to teach our children. And so at some point you have to accept that some of their stuff is going to leak into our culture. And so Real Elements was that kind of hybrid. Her exposure to artists who sounded like her allowed her to see herself in them. They indirectly mentored her. The tapes her parents bought for her gave her access to her mentors. She may not have realized this as a child, but imitating these artists and observing them as they owned their craft was conditioning Lily to be in front of the camera. Did you did you feel like you were supported by your family? I think when I was younger, um, I realized very quickly that I could not share my true dream with my family. Mm. It was a very quick and a shocking revelation to me. So I began to hold it a secret. So what I would do is when my parents were not at home, I would play the music and pretend to sing and dance. And when they would come home, I would just uh, go back to doing whatever it is I knew was required for me to do. My mother was a very passionate woman. Mm. And she was one of those people that just excels at everything academically. So mm. she was first in this, first in that, first in that. She was just really excellent at school. And she expected me as her child to be the same. Mm. And so I grew up in a very sick home when it comes to academia. I spent most of my time studying and most of my time reading uh, extracurricular books. And uh, I think every now and then my father would would, would feel sorry for me and talk to me <laughs> when my mother wasn't watching. So he would show me like a cassette. And, and um, I think as I got older, then he realized, oh, she's serious. Mm. Oh, I think I made a mistake. <laughs> uh, I thought it was oh she's oh she's really serious. This is only so yeah. I then we went through a, a whole phase where they were deeply disappointed in me for pursuing the arts. Maybe disappointed is a strong word. Mm. I read an article the other day from uh, oh my gosh, you know her. She's in insecure, but not insecure. Uh, Yvonne Orji? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So Yvonne has a podcast and she said something, um, I think that will help me, uh, that has helped me understand my parents. Mm. He said that, you know, an African parent, all they know is that 
if they give you an education, they can then ask their friends if their friends can give you a job. But when you choose something like art, the parents are panicking because they're like, who am I going to speak to to help my child get a job? Yeah, but I feel like most of my life, I did feel that my parents were disappointed in the choice that I had made mm. in, in my career. I think it's probably in the last two years that my family has come around and been like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, oh, okay, this is... Um, well, how, and I think in the last two years, it's probably the first time that my parents have actually asked me, how can we help you in this thing that you have chosen? But for all my life, I did feel that they were a little bit heartbroken that mm. um, I didn't choose from the options that I was given by them one, mm. one thing that they would have approved of. When I first approached Lily to be part of Letters, I was going to ask her to write to Annie Kamkwamba, the character she played for the boy who harnessed the wind, William Kamkwamba's sister. During our conversation, she opened up about her personal journey, about occupying multiple creative roles and the struggle she's been facing as a result. I realized that I, like many people, was quick to associate her with her character from The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind because it was a major international gig. Inasmuch as her letter is addressed to the girl in front of the camera, the girl who takes up space center stage, the girl who receives the applause and the spotlight, it is primarily a letter to herself. It is a letter to the girl under the facades of the huge international gigs. Well, what's your, what's your biggest gig been for you, in your opinion? I know that people can quite easily point out what they think your biggest gig is, but it might not be the same for yourself. The way I look at it, that's a very good question. I think, and I know, and and I know people want a specific answer because they have already answered it in their mind. Mm. So when I give my answer, it's like <laughs> every day, <laughs> yeah, every day. I really spend a lot of time on my attitude. Mm. working on it so every day every place that I go I try to behave the same mm. whether it's and I think that's the difference because I've seen a lot of people mark more opportunities mm. because they think it's so small I'm gonna give my best effort when I get to the big thing and I have utmost respect for every opportunity whether it's big or small because I think a lot of people are so obsessed with the results. That's it. They just want whatever it is that this thing leads up to. That's, that's what I want. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me right now. Give me the prayer that once I say it to God, God will just give me all the money in the world. That's it. Mm. And I think the part that people miss out on is the process. And so for me, those in my head, and I know they're really, really wonderful opportunities. But if I had not been prepared in my mind and in my heart for them in the way that truly matters, which is as a person, mm. I think I would not have been able to make it. Mm. And there's no specific, you know, thing like, oh, when you get to work, make sure you made everybody coffee and whatever. Mm, yeah. 
it's just about, you know, try to treat everybody with respect. Mm. Try to be kind. Apologize when you're wrong. Mm. Take responsibility for your actions. Integrity. Yeah, integrity. Have some in, in, integrity. Here's what happens with me. When it comes to acting, mm. my people have no criticisms for me whatsoever as an artist. Mm. But when it comes to my music, then it's a lot of tons of inboxes and emails. Why and do you I, think I that is? This is what I don't understand because it's the same person. Mm. It's, it's, it's the same person. It's the same person. And maybe sometimes I think, do people only like things when things are big? Because the acting thing came after me being a musician. And the acting thing was really, I think, a surprise to them. Mm. Because it, it, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't advertise. I didn't consult. I just was living my life. And mm-hmm. sometimes it does make me wonder that maybe it's not me, the artist. Maybe it's not me that they add value to. Maybe it's just the thing. So that's the question that I have, I have for them. They're not questions that have to do with me, mm. the artist. I feel that sometimes we have a lot more to do with uh, the implications of a thing. Like I'm some sort of a mask. So people mm. are asking things about the mask. Mm. Or about the person under. Because that's part of the pressure that comes with being a quote-unquote public figure. Yeah. Soon, you will learn that embracing the life of an entertainer will come with all sorts of unprecedented criticisms. Why are you underdressed? Why are you overdressed? Why are you too tough? You really don't have to do all this for the attention of men, you know. You feel hurt when you hear these comments, but remember to breathe. Like Hazel Mack did in her letter to her music, Lily addresses the criticisms she receives as a public figure in her letter. We talked more about this on our phone call and how she deals with it. What is some of the biggest criticism that you've received? Oh my gosh! Ish! You know what it is? What? Oh, I can't ish, man. It's an everyday (laughs) thing. It's an everyday occurrence. You, You... it literally happens to me every day. And it's, it's everything. It's, it's everything. You would not believe. Uh, I could be smiling, mm. but that's fake. Oh, it's a lot. I remember one time they put me on, oh, it's a lot, girl. I can't even. And I think the most important thing, balance mm. is very, very important. You need to be well-balanced. Mm. You need to find out what can keep you balanced and hold on to it. For me, I truly do not give uh, all my criticisms or critiques or all my criticizing a lot of my time. Mm. Because most of the stuff that is said has zero or maybe it has one or five percent to do with me. 
and the five percent has to do with the other person. Mm. I I feel what every normal person would feel once they're criticized, and I've always got to remind myself to just usa mm. please. What do I do with this person that has spoken to me in this way? I cannot just lash out in the same way that they have lashed out at me mm. because I I don't like the way that makes me personally feel. And this happened to me a couple years ago, and I wrote a poem about it, Original Thoughts, because I just finally accepted that if I do, if I really do believe in God, mm. as I say I believe in God, then I must have the faith that whatever is happening to me right now, God has said yes. Let it happen. And so since God has said yes, even if it hurts me, just sit there when it's done. Because it has come to do a work. Mm. Pain comes to do work. When the pain has done its work, it will leave See, you. Even you shall not be able to resist who you are. If you learn, learn the past and future are all present. If you carry, carry nothing. For jealousy never wears its real face. And so I became, that became my whole thing. That whole poem, original thought, is literally just this one day when God just slapped me with an epiphany, like, boom, there you go. Mm. This, is, this is life for you. Everything I want you to remember from today until the day you leave this world, just write it down right now. Leave not the love man proclaims, because they are quick to jump ship, always on to the next bidder. Always on to the highest bidder. That was the word. That's the thing. When people have come to criticize you, when yeah. they're saying their words, you think that they're trying to show you who you are by your words, mm. by their words. So you get distracted. That's not why people are criticizing you. Mm. They're there to show you who you are by your reaction. That's, so you can choose to show them who you yes. actually are. You don't have to accept what they say. Yes. Mm. And, and I think that's why the verse says everything that was meant for harm, God has turned it for good. Yeah. So I've at this point, oh, I mean, I see the criticism the other day. I saw something. Somebody sent me something. I thought about it and I breathed. I thought about it for two more days because I just cannot believe that this is going to be. Mm. Oh. And then afterwards, I was like, wait a minute, just let it go. Mm-hmm. Remember that life is full of challenges. Granted, because you are a woman, your challenges are going to be different to a man's. It's a man's world. You will face more challenges than they will, but that won't stop you. Mm. You can decide to either sit back and loathe in fear or to try and try and try and try until you succeed. Mm. Part, of, part of my attitude is definitely my mother's. Mm. My mother was was just, you know, she was just, oof, yeah. <laughs> she was a really phenomenal woman to me. Mm. And I saw her every day just do all these amazing things every day. Mm. And she also had to be a mother. My mother never missed a single day of tutoring me. She tutored me herself. Mm. And I was always ahead. With the school curriculum, I was always looking nice. I was always fed. I was always polite. 
and she still had a high demanding job. And mm-hmm. so for me, all this will do, ladies, is show out who we are. Mm. That's all all these challenges will do. See, they're thinking it's going to make us go to, actually it's going to prove, and it's going to show, and it's not even going to be proving to them because it's none of their business. I'm doing this for me. Yes. I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this because I know who I am. Yeah, because God knew I could handle it. So let's go. My conversations with Lily about being an artist, but also being a public figure, made me question the way we critique art. Do we celebrate art because it is a reflection of our life experiences? Do we celebrate art because of its ability to make us feel and reflect? Do we appreciate art for its true purpose? Or do we measure its value based on who sees it, on who approves of it, on who is willing to pay for it? How do we measure the value of art? The thing that we're all doing down here on planet Earth is trying to build a life. Everybody's story is different. God didn't even bother to give anybody two identical fingerprints. Mm. Thank you for listening to this episode. The music in this episode was brought to you by The Dream Manifest and the music in our outro was produced by Made by Cap. If you like our content, make sure to rate, review and subscribe. This helps to make sure that more people have a chance to listen to the podcast. You can also Follow Wona Collective on Twitter and Facebook at Wona Collective and Instagram at Wona underscore collective and on YouTube as well. All the letters are also available as visual animations on our YouTube and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening. On the next episode of Letters. If I'm living that life, you know, of struggle, why would I then want to pick up a book and read about it. And read about it. So I think a lot of a lot of like um, writers that come to the storytelling session, they write to, uh, you know, partially as a form of escapism. The sci-fi is just the the sort of the chassis of the of the story. You know, it's just it's just uh, the vehicle mm-hmm. uh, that the story gets carried in. But the story itself, the story is about you know courage and you know overcoming the odds and love and so I don't think like saying that sci-fi is like um something you, you it can't relate you can't relate to it it's it's oh, it's almost not it's it's not a valid uh, point uh my name is Karim Vundula um i am a writer and uh the founder of Storying Africa